0: wouldn't go to Isaiah chapter number nine, Isaiah chapter number nine, It's and if you can this morning, let's stand out of respect for the word of God. Isaiah chapter number nine, and I've entitled the message this morning, The Prince of Peace. And you know, folks, uh, when you think of Christmas, a lot of times we focus on certain things, <clears throat> and a lot of times we think of the Christmas story, and we oftentimes think of the manger, but often the distance from the manger would be the cross, and it's hard to believe, but the reality is, is that all of us, no one will live forever. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment, and a lot of times we don't like to think about that, we don't like to think about it, but truth is, is that we will spend eternity somewhere. And I pray this morning you know Christ, the Messiah, the long-awaited Son of God to come to this earth. I pray that you know him as your Lord and Savior. That's the whole reason he came. He came to give his life so that you and I can have eternal life. The Bible says he came to seek and save that which was lost. And who's lost this morning? Every man, every woman, every boy and girl. According to the Word of God, we are all lost in our sins. And so the message this morning is entitled, The Prince of Peace. Two verses this morning, and we'll focus on verse number 6. But if you look there in your Bible in verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. And look at the last statement in verse number 7. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Will perform this. God has always kept His word. Every promise that God has ever made, He has kept it. And let's pray this morning. Lord, thank you for the Prince of Peace. I pray that you'd help us this morning to reflect and meditate on the Son of God, the Messiah, the long-awaited one. And we're thankful this morning that he came for us, that we could know him, that we could know you, that we could have eternal life. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Notice again, the Bible says in verse number six, for unto us, see that statement, unto us. It then goes on to say, unto us, a son is given. God gave his son for us. And when we look at passages like Isaiah nine and verse number six, a lot of times we focus on many of the things that describe the Lord Jesus Christ, but the phrase Prince of Peace is only used one time in the scripture, and it's this particular instance in Isaiah 9 and verse number 6. Now the word peace, I think you probably have heard by now, is the Hebrew word shalom. And what that word means is safe, well, and happy. Safe, well, and and happy. It's a tremendous word, but the word that we don't focus on is the word prince. He's the prince of safety. He's the prince of all things are well. It's because of him that we can be happy, but he is the prince. It's interesting the Hebrew word there for prince is the word sar. It's if you take the English translation it's the word czar, sometimes spelled T-S-A-R or C-Z-A-R, czar. And of course, when you think of that, it's a person with great authority or great power. And in other words, what the Bible is saying here is that the Lord Jesus Christ is the czar of peace, the prince of peace. According to the latest report, there are about 60 wars, conflicts. Revolutions and skirmishes taking place in our world right now. In Syria alone, the civil war has raged for six years now, and it's left almost a half a million people dead, and more than two million others have fled their homes to try to avoid the fighting. That's just one of the conflicts. We live in a world filled with strife and conflict, but this is not anything new. Division has been a part of the human life since this world began. The bottom line about human conflict is not about resources. It's not about borders. It's not about tribes. It's not about languages. It's about sin. The conflict rages on because of sin. Folks, apart from God, we have no expectation of anything but warfare and division. Look what Isaiah said, There is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. The word of God is clear. No matter how hard we work and how sincerely we might wish, the sinful nature that lurks in the hearts of every man and woman and boy and girl, it constantly works against this matter of peace. And as we think about it, the Prince of Peace, and we think about our lives, I want you to notice, first of all, the absence of peace, the absence of peace, the Bible says in Romans three seventeen, the way of peace have they not known, uh, look, we love peace, and every one of us, I mean, you ever had one of those neighbors that lived next door to you, and about the time you're getting ready to go to bed, they turn the stereo on, and it's blaring, you know? And, and it's sometimes you get home at the end of the day and there's kids screaming and hollering outside your house. And what do you want? You just want some peace and quiet, right? You think about police officers and how uh, many times you think about what they are meant to do is to keep the peace. Uh, you think about the, for the Hebrew, the, this matter of peace, it was a big deal. Look at the Bible says in, in Micah 4.4, 4, they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and none shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts hath spoken it. You know, I, a lot of times I love to go on vacation. I love to get away with my family and enjoy one another's company. And, and, you know, the one thing you think about when you're going to go on vacation is, boy, it'd be nice to go to somewhere and relax. Yeah. Anybody else ever come back from vacation needing a vacation? Yeah. <laughs> It's like all you do when you're on vacation is run, 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 and then you come back and your boss is like, boy, I'm glad you're all rested up. And you're like, yeah, I wish I was. See, folks, in the absence of peace, I mean, we love peace, but notice we labor for peace. What do we do? We send people around the world to be peacekeepers, to, 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 to help uh, to keep the peace. I mean, you think again about sometimes a police will show up and and many times they'll charge somebody with disturbing the peace. And they'll tell people, hey, listen, you need to quiet down. Your, your neighbors uh, don't like what you're doing. Jeremiah said, We look for peace, but no good came. And for a time of health, and behold trouble. You see, we, we love peace and we labor for peace, but notice we lack peace. The Bible says in Second Chronicles. Fifteen five. In those uh, times, there was no peace to him that went out, no, nor to him that came in. But great vexations were upon all the inhabitants of the countries. Uh, you ever gone out, and maybe you just recently did, could have been yesterday. And you get to a parking lot, and you're looking for a parking place, and you see one, and so you pull in there, and you're patiently waiting for that person to pull out. And that person pulls out, and because of the way they pull out, they kind of block you a little bit. And by the time the car clears to where you can pull in, somebody from the other direction comes and pulls into the spot. And you're like, I don't have any peace about that. You know? <laughs> we were standing in line the other day at Walmart, and you know, we were just trying to buy a few things, and we were behind this lady. She was putting all her stuff on the, conveyor belt, and the lady was, was checking her out, and uh, we had loaded up the thing there, and we were just kind of patiently waiting our turn, and I looked over, my wife said something to her, I turned back around, the lady in front of us, she's not there. I kind of looked at the cashier, I was like, where is she? She says, oh, she'll be back, she had to get something else. Oh. <laughs> How about this time of year? Anybody run out of money this time of year? You know, it's it's hard to have peace. Uh, Two co-workers were discussing their holiday celebrations after everybody got back to the office after Christmas break was over with. And Dan asked Bob, he said, so what did you get for Christmas? And Bob replied, he says, you see that brand new red Ferrari outside? His co-worker says, are you kidding me? That's what you got for Christmas? He says, yeah. Isn't it nice? He said, what would you get for Christmas? He goes, I got a tie that matched your Ferrari. You know? Most of us know what it's like to be disappointed when it comes to a Christmas present. But listen, folks, that never happens with Jesus. You're never disappointed in the Lord. The Lord can meet every need and he satisfies every longing in the human heart. And as we think about it, there is in this world we live in today an absence of peace. But notice, secondly, the availability of peace. See, peace is available in the person of Jesus Christ. Luke 2.14, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace. Goodwill toward men. Folks, that, that peace... It's associated with the Son of God, the Prince of Peace. It's amazing how the Lord brings peace to man who is ruined by sin. The Bible says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Sometimes I talk to people and I'll say, Have you ever done anything wrong? Have you ever sinned? And I've had some people say, nope. That's amazing. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But can I tell you, even for every sinner in this world, man who is ruined by sin, peace is available. And I want you to see, because the Bible says that that the wages of sin is death, but notice man being ruined by sin, he is redeemed by the Savior. That, That we understand because of our sin, Our sins separate us from our God. Isaiah talked about how how that our sins separate us, but listen, you know what God did for us? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God sent his son, and Peter said it this way, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Aren't you glad for the blood of Jesus? Oh, precious is the flow that makes us white as snow. See, Jesus died for our sins. He paid the penalty. A man's boss encouraged him to take his wife to a fancy restaurant for their anniversary. But the man, reluctant, he kind of hesitated and He was a young veterinarian, and he really couldn't afford to go to this fancy restaurant. But his boss insisted, he says, I'll just do it. He says, it's a special day. So at the urging of his boss, he agreed, and he surprised his wife with the news they were going to go to this fancy restaurant. On the way to the restaurant, he got a call on his cell phone, and he and his wife, they stopped at a farm to examine a farmer's horse that was ill. After they finished the routine examination, the doctor returned to his car with his wife and they drove to the restaurant, but he was unaware that while he was examining the horse, his checkbook fell out of his pocket into the mud and he never saw it. After a wonderful meal, he reached for his checkbook and he discovered it was gone. He was embarrassed by the whole ordeal and he told his wife, he said, I'm really sorry, and he told the waiter, he said, listen, is there any way that I can make this up? And the waiter said, listen, don't worry, sir. He says, your dinner has been taken care of. He kind of looked at him a little bit and he says, your boss came by earlier today and paid for your dinner in advance. Folks, can I tell you, when you think about Christmas, that's what Jesus did for us. He took care of your sin in advance. When Jesus uttered those, cro- th- those words on the cross, it is finished what jesus was saying there is paid in full he paid for your sins and my sins and i see how that man is redeemed by the savior but he's been reconciled by salvation the bible says in ephesians 2 and verse 14 listen to this verse he is our peace who hath both made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself, folks, listen, in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. You go back and you look at the Old Testament and you see how that uh, the Bible describes the the access and how only people certain people could come and have access into uh, the inner court, and then of course, the holy of Holies, uh, where the high priest would go and We find here that there was this there was this wall there was there was this uh, non access to some people, but Jesus broke that wall down, he destroyed that wall, the Bible says in his flesh. And what he did was he made a way that all would have access to him. I think about reconciliation and I, I heard a true account about two brothers and I, God chose for some reason not to give me a brother in life. Maybe he thought I'd kill one if I had one, but it's often interesting to see how brothers get along sometimes. And these two brothers were no exception. They, they lived on adjoining farms. And one time in years gone by, they had a real big quarrel, a deep quarrel, and they got into it over something. And it was kind of sad because in the past, these two brothers, they shared their resources, but that practice of sharing things had stopped, and there was nothing left between these brothers but bitterness. One morning, one of the brothers answered a knock at his door. It was a carpenter who asked if there was any work that he could do for uh, for this, this man. And he told the carpenter, he says, There is something that you could do for me. So he took him out to where the two properties met. And he showed the man, the carpenter, how the other brother had taken a bulldozer and created a creek where the meadow used to be. And he, he told this carpenter, He said, I know he did this to make me angry. He says, So here's what I want you to do. He says, I want to get even with him by building a big fence so that I don't ever have to see him or his property ever again. So the carpenter said, all right, I'll do it. He worked hard all day. The carpenter used his skills, but instead of building a huge fence, he built a bridge. And the bridge went over the creek to his brother's property. When the other brother on the other side saw the bridge, he was quite moved that his brother would do something like this. And the story goes, the two brothers met in the middle of the bridge and they embraced. That's exactly what Jesus did for us. He bridged a way that you and I could go to heaven someday. I love these verses in Hebrews chapter number 9 and verse 24. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with the blood of others, for then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But listen, now once, the Bible says once, underline that, once, the Bible says, in the end of the world, Hath he, Jesus, appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself? How many times did Jesus have to die for your sins? Once. How many times do you need to accept the gift of God, which is eternal life? Once. You see, folks, if we have to be saved over and over and over again, what we're saying is, is that Jesus' death was not enough. But remember what Jesus said to tell us die it is finished. You see, there is the absence of peace in this world today, but can I tell you peace is available through Jesus Christ. But Then I want you to see thirdly this morning the authority of peace. In case you're wondering about this, notice what the Bible tells us. First of all, the promise of peace. The promise of peace. God's word gives us many great promises regarding peace. It's like the little girl who was pushing the limits of her mother's last nerve. You ever had a child like that? They get on your last nerve. You know, I don't know where that nerve is, but it's the last nerve. And the mom was nearing the end of the very hectic season of, of cooking and cleaning and shopping and wrapping and on and on and on like mothers do. And she was nearing that breaking point with her little preschooler. Finally, the little girl was bathed. She was ready for bed after this hectic day with her mom. She knelt down beside her bed. Her mom was standing there. She could hear her saying her prayers. And here's what the little girl, the mom listened to this sweet little three-year-old theologian. As she customized her evening prayer, she prayed, and forgive us our Christmases as we forgive those who Christmas against us. (laughs) Oh, I think about peace, the promise. Remember when Jesus came and he was on this earth? He spent time with his disciples. He was preparing to go to the cross. He was between the manger and Calvary. And he was very close to the cross and he was trying to help his disciples who were really struggling at the fact that he had told them he was going to go away and prepare a place for them. And I want you to see, not only was this promise for them, but it's for us today. And here's what Jesus said in John 14. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Earlier in that chapter, he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. The promise of peace. Folks, I can't promise you peace. No politician can promise you peace. All the world wants today is peace. But I can tell you, you can guarantee that the peace that God offers is real peace. The promise of peace is in the person of peace. You see, in Jesus, we are offered the solution. To every conflict in life. And he's the only ruler who offers hope for a lasting peace. As the Bible describes it. His peace is a promise to those of his children by virtue of receiving him as their Lord and Savior in salvation. He is the creator of peace. He is the sustainer of peace. He accomplished peace with God when he died on the cross at Calvary. Colossians 1.20, having made peace through the blood of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself. By Him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. One of my favorite things to still, as an older person, I still enjoy the Peanuts uh, cartoons. And uh, I was reading how that Lucy said to Charlie Brown, she said, I hate everything, and I hate everybody. I hate the whole world. And Charlie says to Lucy, he says, but I thought you had inner peace. And Lucy says, well, I do, but I have outer obnoxiousness. (laughs) Folks, listen, we can understand Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And notice what is the pattern of peace. Hebrews 9, look there in your notes. The Bible says, but into the second, that's talking about the second veil, went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. But notice Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption And I love those last two words, for us. You see, I see a pattern here. George W. Truitt said, Christ was born in the first century, yet he belongs to all centuries. He was born a Jew, yet he belongs to all races. He was born in Bethlehem, yet he belongs to all countries. The Bible says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Therefore, being justified By faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you have that peace today? Do you have the peace that passes all understanding? Do you know Christ as your Savior? Listen, folks, if you know that peace and you know the Prince of Peace... There is no longer a veil. There is no longer a partition. There is no longer separation between us and God. Now, every one of us can come straight to God through Jesus Christ. Jesus came on Christmas. Why did he come? He came to pay a debt. He came to pay our debt, our sin debt. There was no sin in him, but our sin was on him. Jesus came to pay a debt that we could not pay. A true story that Harry Ironside used to tell about a young Russian soldier because his father was a friend of Tsar Nicholas I. The young man had been made paymaster in one of the barracks. The young man meant well, but his character was not up to his responsibilities. He took to gambling and eventually... He gambled away a great deal of the government's money as well as some of his own. In time, the young man received notice that a representative of the czar was coming uh, to check on the accounts and he knew that when that representative came that he was in big trouble. That evening he got out all the books. He began to total up the funds that he owed and then he went to the safe and he got out his own pitiful amount of money that he had. He sat down, he looked at his money, he looked at the great debt that he owed. He was overwhelmed at the astronomical debt versus his own small change. He was ruined. He knew it. He knew that he'd be disgraced. At last, the young soldier, he determined that he was going to take his life, so he pulled out his revolver and he placed it on the table before him. He took a piece of paper and a pen, and he he wrote a summation of his misdeeds. He began to record things, and at the bottom of the ledger, where he had totaled up his illegal borrowings, he wrote these words, a great debt, who can pay? He decided that at the stroke of midnight, he'd take the revolver and take his life. The evening wore on as the young soldier began to grow uh, drowsy and He eventually fell asleep right there sitting at the table. That night, Tsar Nicholas I was, uh, sometimes his custom was, he would make rounds at the barracks. He saw a light in, in the one barracks, and he stopped, he looked inside the barracks, and he looked over the shoulder of this young soldier that was sleeping, and he saw the ledger. He went inside, he realized, after he read the note of what had taken place, He was about to wake this young man, and he realized as he saw the note that that the young man had written down the message, a great debt who can pay. So Tsar Nicholas I decided he was going to do something. He he took out a, a pen and at the bottom of the ledger, right underneath of what this young soldier had written, he wrote underneath of it a great debt who can pay. Underneath of that, he wrote one word. He wrote Nicholas. He laid the pen down and he left. Never disturbed the young man from his sleep. It was his signature. The young man woke up and he was dumbfounded. He saw this this note and he saw the, the name Nicholas there and And he was was amazed that the czar had come by while he was asleep and he saw the book and he knew everything this young man had done, how he had squandered so much of the government's money and the mess that he made. And instead of making an example out of him, he just was amazed that he was willing to forgive him. The young soldier then rested on the word of the czar. The next morning, a messenger came from the palace with exactly the amount of money needed to to meet that deficit, only the czar could pay that, and the czar did pay that. If you think about your life and mine, our debt is so great that we could spend the rest of our lives and we could never pay off that debt. But Jesus came, and he paid that debt. Jesus signed that note. He said, I will go to the cross. I will give my life so that they can have eternal life. Would you bow your heads this morning with our heads bowed? I want you to think about the Prince of Peace. Jesus came that you and I could have eternal life. I've known many people like that young Russian soldier who have thought, I have made such a mess out of my life. I have just turned everything upside down. I've ruined relationships. I've hurt people. I can't hold a job down. And they come to the place where they think to themselves, what's the use in living? There's the absence of peace. But can I tell you that just like Tsar Nicholas came to that young soldier in those barracks that night, that Jesus left heaven over 2,000 years ago. And he came to this earth. And he came to give his life so that you and I could know that peace that you and I could have a home in heaven someday. And if you're here this morning and you've never accepted God's gift of eternal life, that eternal life doesn't come in works that you can do, things that you can do. The Bible says not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. God sent his son And this morning, He alone is the one that has the authority to give that peace. And He's offering it to you today. If you're here this morning with your head bowed, and you've never asked the Lord Jesus to forgive you of your sin, to come into your heart, and to be your Savior, I can't think of a better present at Christmas than to receive Christ, to accept the Lord Jesus Christ. Over 33 years ago, in a church service just like this, the message was given and the invitation came. And I knew in my heart that I had never been saved. And the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you're here today, you can receive the gift of God. What you would do is you would pray just between you and God. Pray a prayer from your heart, something like this. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. And I'm asking you today to forgive me of my sin. To come into my heart and be my Savior. That's the prayer this morning. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. If you have not prayed and you'd like to, from your heart, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. And I'm asking you today to forgive me of my sin. And be my Savior. If you just prayed that prayer with a sincere heart and you asked the Lord Jesus to be your Savior, I wonder this morning, no one's looking around, would you slip your hand up as a testimony? Pastor, I prayed that prayer. I received Christ as my Savior this morning. I see those hands. You can put them down. Anyone else this morning? Pastor, I prayed that prayer. I had never trusted Christ, but God showed me this morning how I needed Him in my life. Anyone else this morning, while their heads are still bowed, slip your hand up. Pastor, I prayed and asked Christ to be my Savior. Anyone else this morning? Anyone at all? Lord, thank You for these that raised their hand. I pray that You would help those that that did raise their hand this morning to realize that they just received the greatest gift that's ever been given. And for those of us that are saved, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to always have the peace that you offer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.